What's going on, Joe? I got a question right out the bat. Uh, maybe you can explain this to me. You're smarter than the average bear. So the, the Department of Transportation in southeastern Michigan has spent the last, what, two, three, two, maybe three years constructing a new lane in I-75. Yeah. In the middle of which they had to tear up for like a six, seven mile stretch because they poured the wrong concrete because they're cropped fucks. Mm-hmm. Now, explain to me what the purpose of an HOV lane or what the utility of an HOV lane is as compared to a regular lane. Yeah, I didn't even know they were doing that until I was driving one day and I saw that it was an HOV lane. And it's like, which an HOV lane is if you're supposed to have two or more people in the car and then you can go in that lane. Not that, I, I don't even think there would be cops like checking you for it. And I would have to guess 70% of people have at least two people in the car anyway. I disagree. I'll I'll make my case in a moment. Continue. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I would rather not have it. I think it's stupid. But I don't know. You're probably in agreement with that. So, so the HOV lane actually is only in effect for certain parts of the day. I think Monday through Friday, it's like middle of the day. And then weekends, it's a little bit shorter in the middle of the day. Aside from the weekends, let's just take the weekdays in general. During the middle of the day, who spends the most time driving on I-75? What group of people spend the most time driving on I-75? Commuters to work. What number, what percentage of commuters to work do you think are driving with more than one person? <laughs> Not a high percentage. In the middle of the day, it might be, I don't know, sock, moms picking up kids. I, I, never mind. That's stupid. Not on the highway. I don't know. It's fucking ridiculous. I don't know who, what kind of harebrained idiot is running this Department of Transportation that decided we were going to shut down all the roads at the same time for an entire summer this year. Only to open an HOV lane on I-75. I don't know what utility that serves, but it's so ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm tired of their shit. No more fixing the roads. I was on board. Fix the damn roads. No more. I mean, I can't believe this is how you wanted to open the show. You were just in Florida. I was just in London. <laughs> I didn't think we were opening with the HOV, but this is the most animated I've seen you in a while. I was just, it didn't even bother me because the traffic wasn't that bad. I was driving, I flew back into Flint a few hours ago. So I was driving from Flint down to Troy and it, the traffic wasn't that bad. So it wasn't an issue, but I can already see in my head when they're on game days or, you know, rush hour traffic type situations, it's not, it's going to be only marginally better having an HOV lane as opposed to a regular utility lane. I'm fed up with these people. Anyways, that's uh, that's just what I was thinking off the top here. No, I mean, I, I'm with you on they're doing construction on every major highway in Michigan. So it's like you're just just pencil it in. You're going to hit traffic no matter where you go. Yeah. Add on 75, 94, 696 at, for every let's say for every 20 miles you travel add add on an extra 10 minutes. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, what's funny when I was going to the airport to leave for London on Friday night, my flight was at like 930 p.m. So I went to go to the airport, and I left with plenty of time. But there was an accident on uh, 94 that held me back like 15 minutes. I was like, good thing I left out, like, giving myself more than enough time. Yeah. This is one of those ones. Dude, I, <laughs> we, I, could, I could go all day. I got, a few, I got a few tangents to get into. But <laughs> uh, quickly, I, I'm, I flew a Legion today, and I'm in the airport right, getting ready to check a bag. They have a line for priority passengers, and they have a line for everybody else. 
Yeah. And as a as the traffic was picking up in the line, the priority line, they were just taking the priority line one by one by one as a, a different gate agent would open up. To leave everybody else that was in line in the regular line to just wait until the priority line was could diminished. I mean, yeah, that's why it's called the priority line. I understand that. However, how the fuck are we supposed to make our flights in, in regular? Like, that? that's such a bullshit scam. How are, how are you even supposed to make your flight in regular if you have to sit there and wait for an entire priority line? to? Dude, it, it is a scam. When we were boarding for Delta, it was like, all right, we're going to welcome on Delta 1. All right, we're going to welcome on Delta Select Priority Boarding. All right, we're going to welcome on Delta Sky Medallion members. All right, we're going to – it was and like – That's not even mentioning the like the, the veterans and – Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you know, accompanied by like two-year-olds. And they did that. They had on the uh, – there's like a little like teleprompter with like the tiers of – like delta people i was on like main two or main three and i was like the 10th tier down i was like what <laughs> like this is uh they're do you know what they're doing is it what they're doing is they're just essentially doing like um it's a cash system yeah it's like how much do you want to pay like do you want to be on the ninth tier the eighth seventh six five like you i don't even mind that so much as i do just like get me through security everybody should have the equal opportunity to get through security well now that you can pay for pre-check and then fly through that too that's a that's a different thing and i don't fly enough to to justify that but if i did i would oh yeah i got i don't even fly that much and i i have pre-check yeah man that's probably honestly a like a it's really 80 bucks for five years it's a pretty good deal that's pretty sick I, I fly maybe two to one to four times a year anywhere between there yeah. and it's it's worth it because it's just like oh i know i can get to my gate in like 10 minutes right right as opposed to the possibility of an hour-long security check it, yeah, as opposed to the unknown. But it is bullshit because when you get pre-checked, then you don't have to take off your shoes or your belt or anything, which is funny because they – well, not funny, but after 9-11, that's when they started implementing all the security yeah, things. Yeah. And then now they're just figured, oh, we'll just charge people for it, and then you won't have to do it anymore. It was like, well, no, no, no. The reason you did this was for security, and now you just put a paywall behind it. Airports are some of the most incredible places I've ever been. I, I've got – I mean, since we're already on the topic of airports, I would – uh, on the way back from London, my coworker that I flew with, he has an American Express whatever card, so he was able to get us into the lounge. And I've never been in the lounge before, but the lounge was something of wonder. It's awesome. It, I mean, I don't know how it is in the, in America, but in the UK they had uh, like a full breakfast, like yeah, eggs, hash browns, beans, yogurt, croissants, fresh fruit, um, desserts. Uh, omelets mini omelets bacon uh espresso machine coffee machine water orange juice they had these wellness shots it was crazy it's traveling in luxury like private private bathrooms it was it was unreal i i didn't know i was missing out on that and they've actually so a couple things detroit has a really really nice one because we're like a delta hub you know um and i tried to go in there a couple of years ago when i was doing a little bit more flying for work and i have like the lowest status uh delta american express card and I got rejected for being a poor. I guess you need like the like I have like the bottom tier one. It's like silver or whatever. And I needed the next tier card to even get in the lounge. Yeah. And so that that was a real moment of reckoning at like 630 in the morning. <laughs> well, you know, what's crazy about it, too, is because I didn't I don't have the card. My coworker had it and he paid for me to get in like on our corporate card or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. It was like 30, 35 pounds, I think, which is like that's like 40 two and some it's like 40 some yeah, dollar like yeah, that, yeah. that's expensive to get it just Fuck for like yeah it is yeah i mean like, it's really not worth it unless you already have the card yeah like, you got to have the the priority whatever the high level card yeah um one more thing before we get into our music topics of the day 
Oh, we're doing music today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I have had a gambling roller coaster, even when I have not been able to place bets for the last week. Last Saturday, so what I did over the weekend, I knew I wasn't going to be. I was in Florida. This, uh, online sports gambling isn't legal in Florida. Nah, yeah, they actually just passed the bill. Hell yeah. So I placed a couple bets before I left. And I placed one big parlay on Saturday for college football, one big parlay on Sunday for NFL football. How many legs? The NFL one was four. The college one was five. And nice. they both paid out a little over 10 to one. <laughs> nice. Um, so Saturday night, I'm sitting there. All the games were like 530 starts or later. So, And they were all close to even money, like slightly on the negative side for the most part. Um, and... I'm watching each one sweat, sweat to get to the finish. Like, I, they were all money line teams, and they all won by, like, two or three, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? So I'm down to the last leg. Big, it's the game of the week. Late, or primetime, ESPN, or, or I guess ABC, Oregon State versus uh, Washington. Washington was, even though they're ranked higher, they were a dog. They were, like, a two-point dog in this game. So I took Oregon State like minus 125 or something. Oregon State down 22 to 10. They come back, get it to 22 to 17, get it to 22 to 20. And at 22 to 20, I'm saying to myself, all right, if Oregon State kicks a field goal and wins this game by one, big, big parlay win for like $1,000 or something. Yeah. So I texted at least 10 people at like 1030 at night. Hey, can you place a hedge for me? Can you place a hedge for me? Not a single fucking one answered until Oregon State had the ball back with a minute and 20 to go. And the guy who answered isn't a huge sports gambler, but he said, hey, I'll, I'll do the hedge for you, right? So I'm watching Oregon State drive down the field and also trying to get this hedge in. And Oregon State's at the, probably the 50-yard line, third and five. And this guy's texting me. He's like, hey, which book, which book do you want me to use? And he sent me two odds, for one for MGM, one for DK. Why the fuck would you send me worse odds? Just find one with decent odds and send it. Because MGM <laughs> was like minus 190, and DK yeah. was like minus 120. Yeah, why would you what want, are you doing? Why would you want the worst odds? That's, a, that's a, a bonehead question. So I immediately texted him back, DK, now do it. By the time he went to do it, the odds were already minus 315. Ooh. And I couldn't place it, and Oregon State turned it over on downs. Oh, that's brutal. I was scree screaming to myself. Now, that, mind you, everybody else in the apartment was sleeping, too. I'm sitting there on, on the couch just, just pounding the couch and fucking yelling at people, firing off mean texts because I was just so angry. So, yeah, uh, I guess I'm just never leaving the state again when I gamble because that was stupid. It's funny because if I would have been in the country, I probably would have got that in for you before. Yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah, was yeah. the other thing is like I can always count on you yeah, to you know yeah. handle that. But <sighs> dude, that man, that 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 is incredibly frustrating. The fact when like anytime you're trying to hedge a bet when you're like a live bet when you're when you're trying to hedge on a live game when you're not Home. able to bet, yeah. it's like it's like just, it's torture. Yeah, it's like walking on nails. And it's also like I've placed bets for so many of you motherfuckers, <laughs> and the one time I need you to do it for me, you can't be there. What the fuck? And I got like five texts back after it was all over. Like, hey, you still need that hedge? Oh, yeah. I'd be stewing. I don't think I would have slept for like the next hour. Oh, I was up to like 2.30. I'd just be angry. Oh, I was so mad. Anyways. Bro. Yeah, good to be home. 
All righty. Uh, music topics? Yeah, no, that was fun. Um, yeah, so let's get into episode 37 of Flip the Record. Today we are covering the Lumineers. Can I ask you right off the bat how we ended up here? Yeah, so uh, my buddy Reed showed me the Lumineers probably back when they right after their first album or second album. And uh, I never really got into them a lot, but I liked a couple songs. And then, you know, like, Hohe was on the radio, so yeah. I, I've, I've heard a couple of the hits. And then they released Brightside in 2022, and it came up on my, like, new music or whatever. So I listened to that, and, I re- like, I really enjoyed that album. So I had that album, like, just saved. And uh, I kind of forgot about the Lumineers. And then when we had that Zach Bryan song a couple weeks ago with featuring the Lumineers, yeah. I was like, oh, hey – I know I like some of their newer music. I haven't really listened to some of their older stuff, so maybe that'd be fun to do. Yeah, okay, I gotcha. I had a a moment of self-reflection and maybe growing up a little bit as I was listening through the last week and a half or so. And, you know, some of the slower artists we've had, it's tough for me, right? Because my kind of, I guess, role in, in exploring these artists we go through is to kind of take a deeper dive on the musical aspects of things. And when it comes to these slower artists, a lot of times I've just said, hey, there's not much here. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and to a certain extent, that's maybe lessened the amount I've even enjoyed those artists. And after a couple listens this time, I said to myself, don't get I, I, you don't necessarily need to get caught up in the technicalities of things. Just close your eyes and like, do you enjoy the sound? And what I found myself after a third listen through the Lumineers was like, yeah, I enjoy this sound. It's it's not anything crazy. It's not going to blow your socks off with any instrument they have. But the coordination of instruments on a lot of songs, the the vocals, the even like the vocal effect they do on so many of their songs, it mm. sounds it sounds like Wes is like singing in a in some kind of empty chapel or something. Yeah, they do add a lot of effects throughout their catalog. Yeah, it's just these little subtle bits that add something. And I think the other thing too, uh, you know, we'll talk about it as we get through the albums. But I think the last two albums in particular, they really show off their storytelling props. Mm, for sure. Um, I don't know if I noticed that. So I guess maybe the second album has some of that too. But it really struck me when I hit the third album. And then Brightside, yeah, uh, same kind of thing. It's not – I mean, the third al- – album three is basically a concept album, more or less. Oh, it, it definitely is. But album four still, it struck me, the, the storytelling through that, too. It's the same kind of thing. It's not so, you know, fantastically woven together, but uh, it's still the same kind of thing. It's So to have that kind of subtly – and also I, I want to maybe talk about this, too where I would say if you just kind of casually listen to their music or if you took out the vocals in all of their music and you listen through, you would generally say, oh, this is kind of a you know happy-go-lucky, um, kind of just even-keeled band, nice, mm. easy listening. And that's not necessarily the case for a lot of their work. It's that, that contrast of kind of easy, light music with heavy topics. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it because the music is kind of like this – more often than not, like, uplifting, kind of, like, folky sound to it. Yeah. And then a lot of those sounds, Wes is singing over about, you know, uh, alcohol addiction or just going through a rough breakup or whatever yeah. it may be. And the contrast is really nice, and I think that's part of the reason that makes these guys so popular. Yeah. I still don't, like, in no way have these guys blown my socks off, but I, I've really found myself just, like, kind of quietly enjoying this for that reason. 
Yeah, and I, the Lumineers are by no means like, you know, one of my like go-to listens or anything. But I think, for me at least, the Lumineers are great. Almost like, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but it's almost like great background music. Yeah, that's a that's a topic we've brought up on a few different artists, right? Um, but I use that sort of pejoratively usually, as in like you turn it on and you just don't listen. Um, oh, I, I mean in a way of like if you were at work or whatever and you threw this on and you're not really listening to the lyrics, right, and you're listening to more so the music, yeah. it would be enjoyable. That's what I – yeah, that's kind of my bit, right? And I would actually push back on that for a good chunk of their work and say that it can be good background noise, but can also be incredibly deep. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's – yeah, there's um, probably a dozen or two dozen songs or whatever that if they come on shuffle, like, yeah, I'll just – I'll give them a listen and – Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like um, it's 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 still good music. It's just it's not necessarily my go-to in terms of sound. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, there. Um, and, and it, it's also um, similar to some of the other groups we've done. Like <laughs> most notably, like Seether. Like if you're in the wrong mood and you put on this type of music and it's like contrasting your mood, it could either let's say like if you're in a pissy mood and you put this music on, it will either one cheer you up or two it will make you more mad. Like. Yeah, I I feel like you have to be in a. If you're gonna listen to like an album at a time, right? Like you have to be in like a a certain mood. Yeah, I think I can get I can get by with that for sure. But you could say that about any group too. Yeah, you could say that about any group. What I'll say is this is very much like a quieter sound. This is very indie folk. Um, yeah. You know, very stripped on a lot of songs. You. I'll just say it right off the bat, so I don't have to repeat myself as we go through a lot of the tracks. It's either guitar and singing, piano and singing, or some combination of the two, and then a few other elements mixed in here and there. You know, they'll throw in some claps. They'll throw in some cello. Yeah. Uh, they'll throw in a few things here and there. There's even a couple banjo tracks. Um, but it's all kind of in a mid-pace. Um, it never gets too high. never gets too low. There's a few songs where he uh, – what I do like is Wes's voice is maybe – understated is yeah he, is holly doing squats up there <laughs> i don't know it sounded like a barbell just got <laughs> dropped or something but um, so i'm sorry you're saying his voice was underrated i think it's understated oh it understated just, okay. yeah it just it doesn't pop off the page until like there's a few songs on especially album three which i really love um that struck me like wow he really does have like something to it he just doesn't flex it a lot because that's not the style of music right um, and something I, I read as I was kind of like trying to figure out who these guys are is like before they were the Lumineers, it was just Wes and uh, Jeremiah doing cover tracks and, you know, popping in a, uh, an original here and there and more and more as they kind of grew along into the Lumineers. But they played all sorts of different styles of music. They played hard rock. They played electronic. They played. Oh, indie, really? They played soft rock. They played all sorts of stuff. Right. Um, which is. You know, I, I like that well-rounded approach to kind of developing yourself musically and then choosing a path, whatever that is. That's cool. I mean, and I'd, I'd certainly like to hear these guys play different genres of music. Like, if they if they put out an album with them doing covers of different genres, I would give it a listen. Yeah, 100%. Not that it would necessarily be better than what they're putting out already, but I would I would be curious. Yeah, it'd be interesting for sure. I think they definitely could do it if they wanted to. Same with, like, a couple weeks ago. Like, if Zach Bryan put out 
an album of him doing different genres, I would li- like his voice is good enough and I, he's a talented enough. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I would definitely like to listen to that. Usually, I'm I'm a little skeptical of stuff like that, right? But like, I think what changed my mind to some degree is when Zach Smith and Brent or Brent Smith and Zach Myers of Shinedown started doing that with their Smith and Myers stuff. Mm-hmm. That's where it struck me like it. You can do other genres as long as like you can physically do them, mm. right? So like. Zach Brown has Zach Brown band has a rock album. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a fan of it. I don't think it really fits them because they're such like light, easygoing, just beachy country music. So for them to do a rock album is weird. But if if Lumineers wanted to do like a country album, I think there's a lane for them to do that in kind of the Zach Bryan style. Certainly. Um, you know, if Zach Bryan wanted to do a rock album, I think there's a lane for them to do that. Certainly. In a, in a Leonard Skinner type. Um, something along those lines, you know? And so I just, I, these guys, are, they have a lot of diverse sounds. They have a lot of ability to do different things. Um, but it just subtly gets plucked in here throughout albums and throughout, you know, songs. It, it's, there's a lot of interesting things going on with this band. Yeah. And I think, uh, that's probably a, g- a good starting point, right? Yeah? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So the Lumineers released their first album in 2012, uh, self-titled album. And I want to just start off the discussion on this album by saying, with this album and, and pretty much all their albums, each time I listened to it, it was one of those where the more I listened to it, I was able to pinpoint more songs. Where I was like, oh, I actually really like this song. Or, oh, I actually really like that song. Which, again, there's some artists where that may n- not always be the case. But for these guys, it was like every listen, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't realize this song's, you know, potential or the impact of it the first time I listened to it. And especially, like I've said, like my, my go-to is being more happy not not even necessarily happy just more energetic music and that's something again like i said earlier about sitting down just trying to appreciate the sound over the technicalities of things um that i've definitely been able to pick up on more and more stuff is just like yeah this is a nice listen yeah so yeah the uh the first song on the album is flowers in your hair which is one of my favorite lumineer songs it's kind of uh it's got this like nostalgic vibe on just growing older and looking back on your childhood, kind of like a life is a roller coaster vibe, and just just like reflection is is kind of what I get from from the song. Yeah, and this is a little bit different than a lot of their stuff, just because it is a little bit more up tempo. Um, you know, you get that kind of fast, plucky acoustic uh, going through, uh, similar to like a think. You know, we haven't really had a lot of artists like this, but like I'm thinking like Brawny Ear, Led Zeppelin type deal. Um, okay, like that up tempo plucking. Um, and it's a nice listen. It's fun. It's it's you know jubilant. Um, I just yeah, it's a really nice way to start this album. It's, this album has like a good vibe to it for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this song in particular, there's more here sound wise than some of their later stuff. Yeah. And a couple of the lines I really like from this song: "See, it takes a boy to live. It takes a man to pretend he was there." I like that. And then the other one I really like is because it's a long road to wisdom, but it's a short one to be ignored. But I think that one is you know one of the one of their best lines off off this album yeah and another thing that stuck out to me as you listen through all their stuff is wes is wes and jeremiah do a lot of the writing together um mm-hmm. but they don't kind of box themselves into traditional writing structures let's say rhyme patterns don't necessarily have to be followed um you know uh i guess pacing doesn't classical pacing of whatever kind of music you want to call this doesn't necessarily have to be followed. It's just whatever they think works for the song. And a lot of times it does work. 
Yeah, and they'll mix up some stuff too where it's not always like you said, it's not always like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Like sometimes they'll do verse, verse, chorus, verse, verse, chorus, or, you know, verse, 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 chorus. So I, I think in that regard, they do mix it up. Yeah, they mix it up well. Yeah. So the second song on the album is Classy Girls, which is this kind of like funny song about um, being in a bar and trying to hit on a girl and, you know, things are going well. And then she just keeps saying, classy girls don't kiss in bars, you fool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a weird, almost kind of theatrical bit. And it's the song isn't theatrical necessarily, but like the yeah, the story is a bit like goofy like that, you know, Um I definitely enjoyed this one. I, I'm, it's growing on me still. Yeah, for me, this is a, a fun song. Maybe not the most replay value, yeah. and, and certainly not on the album because I think this is a really good album. And yeah. I don't. But um, it's a it's a funny song, and even in the song, it the background noise. It sounds like you're at a bar. You can like hear people like chatting in the distance, and I th- I think that was that was a cool ad. And yeah, it's just kind of a kind of just a funny listen. Yeah, like we say, cool effects. Yeah. The third song on the self-titled album here is Submarines. This one didn't really stand out to me. I think it's fine. It doesn't stand out. Yeah, it's got some piano with some light guitar picking, and it's it's sung from the perspective of um, Wes's great-grandfather who tells the story of the time he saw a Japanese submarine off the coast, and no one in town believed him due to his reputation for spinning lies. Boy Who Cried Wolf. Yes, exactly. So it's I guess this kind of gives you a preview of, like, them doing some of the storytelling in their songwriting. Uh, for me, this one is just, it's not, I'm not going to come back to yeah. it at all. Yeah, very average. Yeah, average at best, for sure. Dead Sea after that. This one, I don't know. So you did a little bit more digging onto the lyrics than I do. I've listened through a few times, like I mentioned, and I still don't really understand the the metaphor here. Yeah, so the song is about kind of finding the right person and committing to them despite past like disappointment or past failure in relationships. And uh, I mean, he uses the Dead Sea as the metaphor. You told me I was like the Dead Sea. You'll never sink when you're with me. So that's kind of. Okay, I see. A girl who says, hey, just, you know, be by my side, be loyal, be, uh, yeah, be I'm, my boyfriend. I'm not going to I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to disappoint you. Like, yeah, just com- be faithful. You know, just commit and yeah. in, in, um, commit and kind of frame in your mind that it's going to work out this time i was close because i i thought the the metaphor there was something about being salty because the, oh. the dead the reason like float with me the whole bit there is that the dead sea is like incredibly salty and so when you uh like swim in it you literally can't sink yeah so that makes a little bit more sense yeah and the the song like his voice is pretty sweet in the song it's kind of like this sweet love song uh i i really like it i think it's a standout from the album yeah, I'm enjoying it more and more as I listen, for sure. Yeah, and th- th- I'm I'm with you on that. Where the more I listen to this one, the more I liked it. The next track on the album is "Ho Hey," which is arguably their biggest song. It's got over a billion streams, one of one of two of theirs, and there's a couple more that probably will in the next couple years. Yeah, this song went nuclear for some reason. I like it a lot. I just don't know why it went so massive. Well, okay, so I, it went massive uh, because it was on. Right, it's been used in a number of commercials, been used in a number of TV shows, movies, media, etc. You know. Yep, I was gonna reference a couple. There's, but yeah, the, it, it, it's got picked up in uh, commercials, like you said, movies, and from there, radio, like massive radio play. Yeah, but I guess I'm saying just the sound, right? Like again, this is a very simple track. You got people clapping or doing claps, slow claps, instead of drums, and that's another thing I, I should mention that I haven't yet is like 
there's songs where they use drums, but the drums are by far and away the most subtle bit that they use throughout their catalog. Like, there's a lot of songs where they don't use drums at all. Um, there's a lot of songs where they use claps or they use maracas or they use hand cymbals or they use drums. But it's simply like a touch of depth instead of what I would call like a like typically in rock music, you know, the, the rock bands we've talked about, Three Days Grace is right, you know, a couple episodes ago. Um, it's more of a tone setter, a, a, a pace setter, right? Yeah, it's never going to be the lead instrument. Yeah, it's never going to be the lead instrument, but it has a prominent part. Whereas I would say the drums are the least important part in so many, or percussion in general, the least important part in so many of these tracks. Yeah, so I think one of the reasons this song could be so popular is it does do a little bit of a different structure where at the beginning of each line, they either go, ho, or hey, yeah. and then he sings the lines. So yeah. like, ho, I don't know where I belong. You know, I don't know where I belong. Yeah, it's hey, not, no, they never sing I ho, hey. I don't know hey. where I went wrong. And yeah. So I think that structure is unique, and at the end of the day, it's just a sweet love song. Yeah, and it's cool, too, the bit they do in, like, the choruses uh, where, like, they get the group singing in there, too. Because, like, you'll hear Wes just doing his normal stuff throughout the song. But then the group, like, chimes in on top of him. And it sounds, again, like you're in, like, a, a, a barren room or, like, a you know, a cabin somewhere, I guess is maybe what I'm trying to get at. Uh, just kind of building a track, building a song as you go. Um, just a fun, like, easygoing, everybody's in on it, having a good time deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, this is just... I don't think it's their best song by a landslide, even though it, you know, commercially is, but it's still really, really nice. It's a great feel-good song. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. The next track after that is Slow It Down, which I really think is some of Wes's best vocal work. Yeah, and that's on purpose, right? Because they really strip it out here. It's just him and a piano, and really, for the most part, it's just him. Like... They, it feels very raw. Whatever they did on the, the mic here, it feels raw. Like, like he's just in the room singing this to you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's a longer song. It's like five or five and a half minutes. Uh, really powerful, emotional, kind of sad. Um, like I said, there's not much to it, but it, and it's certainly not something you're going to like. I don't know, like the first couple times, like it didn't, doesn't do it for me. But like, it is, it is gripping. Yeah, it's it's lyrically powerful. I think there's like seven or eight verses on this track. The the, the first verse, the Wes is kind of singing about how he, he wants the relationship that he's in to be done. Uh, we're singing, "I feel her filth on my bone, in my bones," which is a, I think that's a really good line. Wash off my hands till it's gone. The walls are closing in with velvet curtains, and then it kind of progresses. Where in the third verse, he's singing that he can't cope or get out of bed, and then in some of those lines they're making noise in my street my blinds are drawn i can't see smashed in my car window didn't touch the stereo it's like he's just kind of losing it yeah and then the sixth verse he's kind of like over it and now he's kind of like reflecting on it where he's singing i never she never we never looked back that wasn't what we were good at and when it came to love we were not good enough which again it's, right. it's a really ripping line yeah 100 percent. so i think this one um and like you said they do strip it down and they really just let his voice and the lyrics kind of carry the whole thing yeah, yeah. and I, this i really like this track and it's another great addition to the album totally agree yeah i think they hit another one of the next one stubborn love i think this is a really cool one too there's some really like thoughtful uh maybe interesting lyrics throughout here song about like just kind of getting through the maybe not day-to-day -day is the right word but like getting through the tough the tough spots you know um sticking with it and 
you know, kind of, again, they're just their very typical musical sound, but still really fun, really nice. Yeah, this song is more about second chances and forgiveness and, like you said, sticking with it. Uh, they, he's got a line in here, you know, ode to a three days grace, uh, pain. It's better to feel pain than nothing at all. The opposite of love's indifference. Uh, so pay attention now. I'm standing on your porch screaming out, and I won't leave until you come downstairs. And th- this is another good song, powerful lyrics. They actually use this song to close out a lot of their sets. Oh, or, uh, that's sorry, cool. the uh, it's the last song on the track list. So I guess that'd be like the encore. Sure, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That's and a th- fine way to finish it. Yeah. Yeah, and this is another one. That I th- I believe I th- I think this is at is either 100 million or 400 million streams. Definitely one of their hits off this album. Yeah, it's the one of two like starred tracks on Apple. So that makes sense. Okay. Follows that up with Big Parade. Um, I don't know. This one felt mid. Nothing crazy here. Yeah, I, I'm, t- I'm totally with you on this one. Uh, they do. I did notice they do like different like choruses. Like each chorus has different. Or it's like a version of the same chorus, but they change up the lyrics. So it's not like the same. Yeah, the same lines over yeah. and over. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Mixing it up a little bit. But yeah, this, um, this song was kind of forgettable for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, same same with the next song, honestly, Charlie Boy. This yeah, that uh, you know, this album maybe falls off a little bit towards the end, but uh, yeah, you know, you got some good stuff in the beginning. So yeah, Charlie Boy, meh. Charlie Boy is essentially your going to war 101 song. We've probably done half a dozen of those. Yeah, 100%. in the thirty some episodes we've done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just their typical sound, and I don't think they did anything crazy here. Yeah. So the next song is Flapper Girl, which is um, maybe musically not as interesting as some of the earlier songs on this album. Yeah, again, a little bit quieter, but, um, you know, still a look at uh, or an interesting an interesting metaphor again here. We're like, uh, you know, talking about a newer uh, uh, it's a more modern setting. Obviously, Flapper Girls are referenced like the 20s. Um, but still just talking about a girl who's maybe not in a typical role as a woman, right? Um, you know, doing all sorts of different stuff. Um, it, I'm still trying to figure this one out, too. But I'm definitely going back to it more and more. Let's say that. Yeah, I, I, I get, I'm kind of with you on that. And, and you're right, the, the 20s um, with, you know, World War One lots of men were leaving the households to go to war. So this is like the first time where women were going out and being like the breadwinner for the, and yeah, the family for the right, first time. Right. And uh, let's see. Let's see. W- when the stock market shot up and money started rolling in, uh, fashion and all sorts of like promiscuous behavior started increasing. And uh, some of the girls that took all that stuff up after taking over the household were given the nickname Flappers. So that's where the the name of the song comes that's from. interesting they have that little bit of like um i don't know what the motivation is there i, I should have maybe checked into that but oh for them to, to write a song like this well there's a couple songs now right like you know where do they get this this world war one emphasis this late beyond you know this long afterwards uh, yeah i mean it's over 100 years later again well, l- unless sorry, it's almost 100 years later <laughs> unless it's some kind of metaphor you know to to modern times to to changing roles between men and women in relationships and that kind of thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that deep necessarily, but it's an interesting thing to do in 2012, you know? Right, right. The track after that is Morning Song. 
Yeah, last track on the album, and again, I think this is a really nice way to close it. Just a little bit more of that upbeat vibe again. Good, just good, solid listening here. I don't think it's too crazy one way or the other. Like, it's just a fun, like, way to close this album. Yeah, and the lyrics for me kind of came out as you get what you give. Um, He's kind of singing about protecting kids in the song and... uh, yeah, just you get what you give. It's 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 an all right song, I guess. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. Um, it it's certainly not one of the best songs on the album, but by no stretch one of the worst songs. <laughs> right, and yeah, so there's a couple of bonus tracks. I don't know if you listen to them. If not, I can just skim through them. Yeah, I don't have the bonus tracks here, so go ahead. Yeah, so ain't nobody's problem is a cover of the same song by Sawmill Joe, who uh, this song has more of like a folky vibe. The covers. Not bad. I, I, I wouldn't come back to it. Then after that is This Must Be The Place, uh, in parentheses, Naive Melody, which is another cover of a song, This Must Be The Place, by the Talking Heads. Gotcha. And there's not really a lot musically here, other than a little bit of guitar. And this again, this cover was pretty forgettable for me. And then there's um, Louise, which is, it's it's all right. It's it's better than the previous two, in my opinion. It's definitely like a bonus track. Like, if they had thrown it on the album, I probably wouldn't have liked it. Mm-hmm. But as a bonus track, it's fine. And then the next song, uh, Darlene, is kind of forgettable. Okay. And then they added Slow It Down live version, which is... Oh, cool. That was good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm sure these guys... These guys strike me as a band that their live performances might outpace their studio work. I could see that. Yeah. I don't know, though. I don't know anybody who's ever seen them, so... <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, I th- I think this is a good first album. There's probably five or six songs that are are really good, re- really well constructed, good replay value. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's a nice open. Um, it's not their best work in terms of storytelling, but it is, and a good way to kind of get your feet wet with this band. Yeah, and then the next album is Cleopatra, which comes out in 2016, so four years later. Uh, this this album, I definitely appreciated it a lot more after digging into the lyrics and the songwriting. Because um, there's a lot of songs that are maybe not necessarily as personal to the band, but they still do a really good job of, of telling stories of different I was going to say, their storytelling has vastly improved on this album. And it's still not quite to the level. Uh, like, I think the th- album three, the album is literally, literally titled three, is their opus in terms of storytelling so far. Um, but I do think there's a lot of interesting stories here, a lot of references to different stuff, um, and kind of just like an interesting way of trying to get points across, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, sonically, it's it's slightly, slightly more uh, diverse. They add in a little more percussion throughout. Um, otherwise, it's a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, and this album opens with Sleep on the Floor, which well, Wes said on this one, it's just about, I think people move to big cities, whether it's New York or L.A., certain cities have these promises implied. You're going to go there, and you're going to fulfill that promise. You're going to catch that dream that you had in your head. And when you go there and it doesn't happen, there's that's sort of a reaction to that. It was kind of interesting to go to Denver, of all places, and that's when we finally started getting some movement or some traction, and we began to tour as a real band would. And I found that there was so much restriction in these expensive cities, it kind of kills your artistry. If you're trying to do what you're trying to do, which was tour a lot. Right. That's something I read about, too, where, like, so they, Wes and Jeremiah both grew up in New Jersey. They came together in New Jersey. They had the 
rumblings of of the Lumineers began in New Jersey in like the late 2000s. Um, and then before their first album, I think they moved to Denver. And so now they're more exploring that idea um, as well, along with a lot of the same topics they touched in the first album, you know, relationship issues, um, personal issues, things along those lines. Yeah, definitely. And, and this is a good song about, you know, just packing it all up and, and going to try and, you know, pursue your dreams. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a good opener. The second track on the album is Ophelia, which is their second song with a billion plus streams on Spotify. Yeah, the whoever they got on piano here struck gold, man. The piano is so like <laughs> interesting and f- playful, but also like quirky and I, I just I love this piano. There's bits where they're just kind of like poking along chords. There's other bits where they're letting the piano pianist pianist uh kind of work himself out like almost playing like solo type stuff um you know and again kind of back to ho hey too like this is this is the single off this album uh by a long shot and this is another one where like in the choruses you can just get a feeling of everybody in a crowd getting together and singing this belting this one out together <laughs> just good vibes man i mean it's not a super good vibes song but like it is oh definitely and West said on this one, Ophelia is a vague reference to people falling in love with fame. That spotlight can seem like an endless buffet, but in reality, you're just shiny, bright, and new to people for a quick moment, and then you have the rest of your life to live. What's unique about this song compared to a lot of others is that lyrically, it's been sung, not written, in other words. I didn't sit down and try, try to write this, but rather just began singing, and these words came out and were kept. Yeah, I think it's a reference to a Greek tragedy. Um, by tragedy, I mean like a like a story, a play. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not familiar with the tragedy itself, but um, it, it's an interesting pull there. It's a crazy pull, honestly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, referencing Ophelia, like Ophelia is a metaphor for fame, and it's. I mean, the chorus is th- like you said, thousands of people singing this one together. Yeah. That would be pretty electric. Yeah, just in the mid range, just belting it out together. It's cool. Yeah, and the alliteration of the oh Ophelia, like that. I think. That is part of what makes it so good. Yeah, totally agree. So after that, the third track on the album is Cleopatra. Yeah, and this is a little bit less fun, but still, I would say better storytelling, right? This is the this is the kind of reference to Cleopatra as like a tough lover, um, somebody that you maybe, you know, you grew up idolizing, um, it was a little bit out of arm's reach, it felt like. Um, and just that story, you know, kind of kind of the same way, like, right, with, like, Cleopatra had a few different lovers across her life, uh, notably Mark Anthony, the, the guy from Rome. But um, it took a while to get there, right? And Mark Anthony had – he living in Rome, going to Egypt, like, you know, s- went to no went to all lengths to, to get her to love him. Um, and it's kind of telling that story a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely elements of that, and – part of the song but i was late for this late for that late for the love of my life and when i die alone when i die alone when i die i'll be on time which that i mean that those two lines are really really great yeah and west said on this one the song was actually inspired by a real person that he met in the republic of georgia i don't know if you've dug into this at all but uh he got a, a ride from a female taxi driver who oh yeah i did see this okay yeah so she told him about his life or sorry her life saying uh, a couple things from her life. She ended up losing her father when she was younger, and uh, she was still struggling with this loss when her boyfriend at the time proposed. 
So she didn't give him an answer. And her boyfriend, after hearing, you know, that she didn't give him an answer, left their small town, rejected and never returned again. And the day he proposed to her, it had been raining. And then he, uh, he had tracked muddy footprints onto the carpet and she refused to wash these footprints off the carpet and always felt that she kind of missed out on the great love of her life. It's really sad. A note I saw when reading about that was that somebody, some, the the author of that story had mentioned, at least in my reading, that this taxi driver told the story so nonchalantly, so full of, or so lacking in self-pity, just very straightforwardly. Um, and it, it just kind of gripped Wes. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is a cool way to get inspiration for this track. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool story, and it, ma- it definitely made me appreciate the song more yeah, after reading it. Same. Yeah, this is like the opposite of um, the boxer by the the fray or whatever on scars and stories. Yes, stories. Just yes, just total stupid, out of the air nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is really great storytelling. Yeah. After that is gun song, which Wes got the inspiration from this. Uh, his dad had passed away, and soon after, he was looking for a pair of socks to wear to work, and he was late to work, and he went in the sock drawer, and then he found a gun, and he had no idea that his dad even had a gun, so just kind of wondering, like, what other secrets or what other things about my dad do I not, did I not know? Yeah, but again, this is one of the ones that struck me as, like, very contrasting musically, right? It's very strummy, kind of, like, easygoing music. And this wild story about, like, wow, I really didn't know who my father is, was all this time. What else do I not know about the people I love, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, not, it's not nearly as dark or as heavy as some of the other stuff we'll get into, but still an interesting contrast there for me. Yeah, one of the lines from the song. I can't believe what I found in Daddy's sock drawer. Sock drawer today. It was a pistol, a Smith & Wesson. Holy, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, Wow. That would be wild, though. Think about that. I mean, yeah, if you didn't know. Yeah, if you didn't know. I've, I don't know, man. Like, I guess that's maybe not like, well, maybe it just means different things to different people, right? But well, you, you, usually you would think, and at this point in his life, he, he's older because he's working. Yeah. But usually you would think, like, you, some, they would tell you when you're younger because they'd just be like, hey, like, never go near this. Yeah, don't never, touch this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've considered that myself just as, I've, as I'm growing up and I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to be living by myself, or I guess with my sister for a while, is like, you know, I, maybe, this is, maybe this is a stupid story, but like, I, if I was even interested in having a gun, like, do I tell people? Do I just hide it and never tell them? Um, I don't know. Like, I live in a pretty safe place, so it's, maybe it's not even, it's a moot point anyways. But I would say you would at least tell the person you're living with. Yeah, fair enough. But if you lock it away and hide it, you know, I don't know. Yeah, true, true. Um, anyways, yeah, it's just an interesting point. Um, not knowing, like, that that feels, the more I say it, the more it feels like a big deal, kind of. Especially as a young person. Right, right. Anyways, um, yeah, interesting track. Yeah, definitely. I kind of like it. The next track is Angela, which... Uh, on this one, Wes was saying that him and his producer were riding their motorcycles through the Catskill Mountains during the six weeks when they were recording this album. And uh, most of the lyrics were written when they were riding and like just kind of singing to themselves, which is uh, kind of cool. It's different. Yeah, another one, a uh, song totally about a girl just like kind of trying to find her place in her world, it seems like to me. Um, 
it's not. It, it's still good storytelling. Um, it doesn't stand out as much to me as some of the other stuff on this album, but it's good. Yeah, I d- I don't know. Like lyrically, this one was a little bit confusing. I ended up going on Reddit and people were just people were saying Angela is more of an idea, um, as opposed to like a specific person. But I think you could take it both ways. That is one critique I'll have of them is that sometimes the writing is a little like too meta mm. or too poetic, let's say, um, which is, is fine for some people. You know, there's people who like Shakespeare and there's people <laughs> who like that shit. Um, but I would like to know what the song's about. Yeah, I, more often than not, I, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, that's just something they do along the way a lot of time. Not a lot, but occasionally. And I'm like, OK, they do it more than other yeah, artists that we've covered. Like caught the shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> After that is In the Light, which is a, a good song about reminiscing and, and letting go of the past. Yeah, and again, more to the, the upbeat kind of music here. Um, nothing crazy. It's very s- standard sound for them. But uh, I, I will go back and listen and listen and listen to this one. This is another one I really liked off this album. Yeah, this is a, pl- a pleasant one. It's got a good combination of piano and guitar as opposed to one or the other. Sure. The next song is Gale Song, which, uh, fun fact on this one, this song was written for The Hunger Games. Yeah, this is an interesting track. And it, this is the one where sh- the, the main character sings this one. Yeah, she, like, whistles it or something? Or um, that I don't know, but it, this song was written from Gale's point of view. Uh, Katniss obviously went to The Hunger Games and then, you know, ended up, involved with Peta, yeah, but yeah before going like she was you know with gail right romantically right. so yeah, yeah this is written from his point of view i guess the lumineers were big fans and they were struck by i don't know they were struck by something with the that seems like more artsy bullshit like <laughs> like most people love the hunger games because it's like this this popular like young adult novel and this and that and like fantasy world and the lumineers love it for like the story yeah, may, I mean, maybe they were asked to write something, but I th- I thought I remembered reading a quote, and I should have grabbed it, of him saying that he was fascinated by the Gale side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Uh, but yeah, this is another one I really, I'm not really like. I'd just say I liked it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Same. After that is Long Way From Home, which even if there's not a lot musically here, I think this is still a, a powerful song. Yeah, the, the writing here, the it's... Very thought-provoking, like emotionally evoking all sorts of stuff here. I mean, the opening lines here. Held on to hope like a noose, like a rope. God and medicine take mo- no mercy on him, poisoned his blood, and burned out his throat. That's thick. That's thick right there, man. Um, and I would say this is maybe the most pointedly like dark song that they have to, their, to this point in their catalog. Um, yeah, so he's singing about his father who he lost in his battle with cancer. So that's why it's so dark. Right, right. It's gripping. And, you know, the, the music is definitely a little bit more in that tune here, too. It's not not fun, lighthearted shit here either. Um, but, yeah, the, God, the lyrics just on another read here. It's, it's a lot, man. Yeah, and he's got some more lyrics later on where he sings, Hospital gowns never fit like they should. We yelled at the nurse, didn't do any good. More morphine, the last words you moaned. At last I was sure that you weren't f- far away from home is really powerful yeah i mean there's a there's a few different lines like that but i mean we could we could just read the whole song if we wanted to but yeah def this is for, for me a must listen at least yeah definitely through this album absolutely 
the next track is Sick in the Head, which is essentially just a fuck the status quo, do what you want kind of song. Yeah, this is the only song on this album and maybe in their catalog titled with an explicit warning. Um, <laughs> maybe on the next album there's more of that. But yeah, this is this is an interesting track too. Um, definitely a little bit more edgy, but still in their normal sound. Nothing crazy. Um, I just, I liked it having the, like a few different things on the album, right? Like we talk about artists that play the same song over and over. It feels like they, they have a song that they play a lot. They have a type of song that they play a lot, but they have a lot of other songs that don't fit that mold. And this is one of those for sure. Yeah, definitely. And they got a few different types that they kind of redo throughout their albums yeah like i think they have the ophelia the hayos the um what's that last track on bright side uh you know kind of poppy campfirey songs reprise yeah reprise Reprise. um songs like that and then they don't have a lot of this necessarily uh but it's sprinkled in throughout um and i guess three we can put to the side entirely because it's a very different sound but yeah um it's it is nice to get a little variety Definitely. The next track is My Eyes, which uh, I, I'm a fan of this one. I like this one. Yeah, I don't know. This one's kind of more or less fine for me. Um, I don't think the storytelling is as good as some of the ones we've talked on in this album, but it's still storytelling itself. Like, it's not just a song, you know? And this is one of the ones where I couldn't pinpoint the genesis of the song, whether it's about drugs or heartbreak or corruption of, or fame or whatever. There's... A lot of different ways you could take it. Yeah, I think they touch on or open to the the listener's interpretation here. There's a lot of things. This is a bit general, let's say. Um, you can kind of take it however you see it. Yeah. So the album closes out with, and there's a few bonus tracks, but the standard album closes out with patience. Yeah, I don't know. Um, which is a instrumental. Yeah, it's just piece. instrumental. It's a nice. It's a nice close. Um, you know, I've said I, I like the sound. I like to listen. It's just good listening. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about closing out an album with an instrumental. It seems almost like, um, I don't know. It just it's doesn't. It's very artsy. This is what they do. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, I don't know, man. They're, I, need, they're, I need some sort of closure lyrically. I'm with you there. I, I totally agree. I don't love it as a closer. Um, but as a song in and of itself, it's it's nice. Um, I just think again these guys are a little hipstery like moving from new jersey to denver is hipster <laughs> that's some hipster shit yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what it is here is like this is oh you think we're gonna give you like the normal shit at the end <laughs> no <laughs> how about a minute and a half instrumental oh it's intentionally hipster I yeah, like that. yeah yeah i don't know man maybe th- these guys are just goofballs yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I'll do the bonus tracks real quick. Where the Skies Are Blue, that was probably my favorite of the bonus tracks. That one was worth checking out. Uh, shorter song, but lyrically cool. Everyone Requires a Plan, the short song. Nah, not worth it. White Lie. I kind of liked White Lie. Oh, okay. I didn't know you would listen to these. My bad. Um, I'm with you, though. White Lie was like a good vocal work, slower piano song. That was worth checking out. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That was interesting. Yeah. And that wraps up that album. I I don't know if it's necessarily better than the first album, but there's still some hits on there for sure. Yeah, I think you could make an argument that whatever of like the five or six really good songs you like between the two, you would like that album yeah, more. Yeah, you could, you know, you could do track by track on the top five songs and determine one or the other. Yeah. So the third album, three, 
Roman numerals, comes out in 2019, which, as you alluded to before, is a full-fledged concept album. Gripping storytelling. Um, you know, this album is, is a fictional story, story of this, this Sparks family. Um, and I, I really like what they did in terms of breaking this album up into three bits where they follow three different characters in this Sparks family for three or four songs at a time and kind of tell their story. Um, which is a, a fictional telling of the issues that they that Wes and Jeremiah had growing up in families kind of gripped by addictions, um, whether that's alcohol, drugs, gambling, etc. Um, the storytelling here is incredibly strong. They do a wildly a wild job of like really fleshing out the different characters, and I also think it's 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 heavier. But like in an in an interesting like it doesn't like I I listened to this three times and I never got like like bummed out listening to it. I was always gripped by it. Like, wow, that's crazy. And then the other th cool thing they did for this is they have a music video for each song that illustrates kind of the album as it goes along. That's cool. Very similar to Twenty One Pilots uh trench. Yes. Yes. Yes, just like it. Um just like Shine Down's Attention Attention. Um and I well, I think, you know, the I've seen the, the Attention Attention movie. That is too artsy. That's out there. But this is very good. Like, it keeps the same characters as Donna, as Jimmy, as Gloria uh, throughout. And you really get a really well-fleshed-out idea of what's going on with these people. Yeah. that No, that's cool. I definitely I got to give, give that a watch. The Yeah, so the three, like, three main characters are Gloria, uh, her son Jimmy, and then Gloria's grandson, Jimmy's son, junior yeah junior right and yeah you don't see this as often where the album the way it's layered on like spotify or apple is it's like disc one and then it's like the first three tracks and then like disc two it's the second three and then this three which i believe is four tracks yeah so that part of it is it's yeah know. imagine it like like an actual vinyl record uh, where you would have the first three tracks on one side flip it to get to the second character then mm -hmm. put in disc two to get the third character. Um, and then there's even three bonus tracks that are also listed the same way. Yeah. And I think, well, this is really, this is a really cool concept album. And I think there's, for me, at least I, there's not as much replay value. I don't know about replay value necessarily, but I was enthralled by the storytelling. Yeah. I, I th that's a good way of putting it. Yes. I can, I very much so admire the way that they constructed and layered this album. And I think the storytelling is really, really good. But am I gonna come back to it and listen to it over and over again with some like some of the songs on the first two albums? Probably not as much. Yeah, I think I agree there. Um, maybe that's a good way to get going into it. So mm -hmm. uh, the first track, Donna, um, kind of paints the story of you know a, a wife, a, a mother that just isn't hacking it. She's kind of gripped by an alcohol addiction. And can't be there in the way that you would expect, like, an ideal mother to be there. Um, not, like, truly in love with her kids. Not in, not at all in love with the way her life's played out. Um, just a, a sad story um, that kind of paints the picture of who this Gl is actually about Gloria, Gloria is going to yeah. be. Yeah, so disc, disc one is Gloria, you know, about Gloria. Yeah. And I think the line here that's most gripping is a little boy was born in February. You couldn't sober up to hold a baby. 
Yeah, and that that bit in the music video is crazy because you just see the mother standing in a like a uh, maybe a playroom kind of holding her son, and then she just out of nowhere, not like slowly, like viciously drops to the floor. Oh wow! Like, and then she's like foaming out the mouth, and they drive her to the hot. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, that, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, th- this is a sad song on its own, not a ton of replay value, but in the concept of the album, really good. It's a great tone setter. Yes. The second track on the album, I think this track, and there's one more later on, this would be one that you could pull it out of the album, and you'd get a lot of replay value out of it. I think so, too. Yeah. This is uh, Life in the City. Yeah, and this is more along the lines of that what-if part of Gloria's story, where it's like, you know, she could have had this fun... Had she not had kids, she could have had this fun, crazy life, you know, going to bars, hanging out with her friends, doing all that different stuff. Um, but she's had to sacrifice that. Um, not necessarily saying that she did, but to some sec- extent, she sacrificed that. And so the story they tell in the music video throughout here is her at a bar all this time doing different stuff, like cheating on her husband, playing pool with dudes at the bar, flirting with guys at the bar, um, and just kind of showing the that darker side of Gloria. Gotcha. And yeah, this song, similar to some of the songs on the first two albums, it kind of explores the theme of, you know, moving to a big city or, you know, moving, moving somewhere to pursue your dreams or moving somewhere to do whatever. And oftentimes, you know, they reference New York and, and Denver, which is places that they've lived uh, to some extent. Yeah. And yeah, this this for me, this is my favorite track off this album. This is one that I had had saved for quite some time, and this is one where if it pops up on shuffle, I always give it a listen. I like this one a lot too. Yeah. So the third song on disc one is the the disc is about Gloria. The song is titled Gloria. Yeah, and this is more similar to the first song too, where it really talks about Gloria getting into her shit, falling right. apart as a, as a wife, as a mother. Um, you know, the the opening line here. Opening lines, Gloria, I smell it on your breath. Gloria, booze and peppermint. Um, Gloria, no one said enough is enough. Gloria, they found you on the floor. And they they do this bit over and over and over. Right. Uh, Basically talking about her, you know, alcohol poisoning or overdosing, but alcohol poisoning. You know, the music video here, you see her with a baby in one arm and a little pint of vodka or whatever in the other hand. And this is another one where she has to go to the hospital and. Uh, you know, later on in the later on in the music video, she's kind of cleaned up her act a little bit, maybe. Um, and she but not really, because now she's fighting with her husband. She throws a bottle at her husband, breaks his head open. Jeez. They're driving to the hospital now with him on, on the passenger seat. And she's already kind of fucked up again. And they get into a nasty car crash that hits her husband head on. Ugh. It's fucking wild, man. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's pretty. Powerful. Yeah, this 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 song is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just you know, a story about a, a derelict mother um, and the repercussions of that. Yeah. So the second disc kind of focuses on the character of Junior, who is the grandson of Gloria. And the first song on this disc is "It Wasn't Easy to Be Happy for You," which I think for me this is another standout one from the album. And I think you can take the lyrics here and apply them to other parts of life where it's just like. Sometimes it's just fucking, it's hard to be happy for someone else, someone that's wronged you or, or whoever, like, in the past. And, yeah, it's just hard. Yeah, that's the whole track here. I'm uh, talking about how Junior's been a kind of a shithead. Um, and he's making it work for now, but he's totally been a shithead to the people around, you know, the people he loves, the or at least the people who love him, you know, family, friends, whatever. Um, 
I don't think this is necessarily the most gripping of these three tracks, but it's a good story setter here, at least to, like, let you know who Junior is. Right. And the second track on this disc is Leader of the Landslide, which I think this is another a good track. It's it's a sad track. There's great vocal work here. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this one. Yeah, this is more the repercussions of Junior's actions here where Junior is the leader of the landslide. He's the kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back. Uh, yeah. In a lot of instances. And, and he, he's, you know, he's, he's ruined a woman in this, this song, his wife or his girlfriend or whatever. It's, it's a crazy story. Right. And the leader of the landslide, someone battling addiction and it just kind of shows like the, you know, just how bad that can be for, for others. Yeah. Um, uh, let's just see if I have anything else on this one. No. Okay. So the third song on the second disc is Left for Denver. Yeah. And this one, I don't know how. This is very, again, artsy, poetic. Um, you know, uh, it tells another story about Junior kind of being a shithead and having to, like, leave and get out of town, you know, because he's, he's just fucked everything around him. Um, I don't know, though. It's just a little bit too out there for me. Yeah, this one's uh, I wasn't as big of a fan of. I think this one was about Junior, or maybe maybe not, but was it possibly about Junior's mom moving out west? Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, and maybe, then I, mis- maybe re- I misunderstood that. He reacts by rebelling. Um, yeah, what made you leave, and when did you did, did you left for Denver? Why? What did you know that I did not? Um, is it one? Is it two? Is it three kids now? Da, 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 da. I don't know. It could. I guess I'd have to do a little bit deeper digging, but I think it's about Junior, like yeah. moving along. Okay. So then the third disc on the album, which focuses on the character of Jimmy, who's the son of Gloria and the single father to Junior, opens with "My Cell." Yeah, and <laughs> so this one's a little bit different. This is J- Jimmy's an alcoholic as well, but Jimmy's also a gambling addict. Jimmy is a womanizer, let's say. Um, and he actually has this great thing happen to him. He finds a woman and he falls in love. And the song is My Cell. And it tells the story of Jimmy, you know, being being trapped by this this woman, this family that he loves, um, you know, not being able to chase his vices, let's say, um, which sets up the next song really fantastically. Yeah. And, and to your point in this song, he's kind of alone with his problems in his trailer and the lyrics are just kind of him i I guess like his monologue so to speak yeah his thoughts so then the second track is jimmy sparks so his name this is my favorite album or song of of all their songs oh wow i i've listened to this one probably 10 times now and the story here is haunting man just and the music video is equally like strong and emotion evoking um this is all about jimmy he's got he's got a young child um he's got a wife or at least a girlfriend that he has a child with and he's basically left the wife to her own devices and kind of you know bringing a kid up by himself half-heartedly um he tell a story of him bringing bringing this baby to a gambling hall um which is no place for a child uh, let alone a baby um and then, you know, he, 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 there's an interesting line where 
in the middle they say like you don't pick up a hitchhiker because it's us or them it's 3 a.m right um and then at the end of the song jimmy's out on on his lonesome years later destitute barefoot in the snow yeah destitute trying to get out of the cold um in the music video he's walking down a road with a a big gashing cut on his head like bleeding all over the place and he's just trying to get somewhere to like you know clean up a little and the story tells that his son kind of drives by and sees him in the middle of the night walking this road but he doesn't stop because it's 3 a.m and it's us or them yeah it's haunting and and just the way he sings this too is so powerful man it's not powerful in the sense that he's really like belting out lines but it, it's uh, haunting is the best way I can describe it. I know I've said it a few times now, but wow, man. Well, this is also like the culmination of the climax of the whole album where it starts off with Gloria and it shows how her problems affect the problems of her son and then her grandson. And it's it's just powerful. I mean, it just it's just the whole album is kind of pointed at like, you know, this is what happens when people become addicted to things and they can't get over it or they can't get the help that they need. And it just trickles down to the next generation of their family. Yeah. Yeah, and it leaves you alone and, and broken on the side of a road. Yeah, exactly. Um, the and next y- track is kind of – sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say this is like a – I think it's like a five-and-a-half-minute yeah, song. Yeah, it's a longer track. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's cello. It's piano. Um, not a lot of guitar here. Um, yeah, just this is an absolute must-listen for me. Um, the next song is kind of a continuation of the last song, just instrumentally. It's like a minute and a half. Um I like it where it is, uh, but I don't think it's anything crazy. Right. And then the fourth disc closes out with Salt in the Sea, which this this might be another one for me where you could kind of pull it out of the album and still has a decent amount of replay value. They actually wrote this song originally for an M. Night Shyamalan film, but it ended up not being included in the movie. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and the, the metaphor here, Salt in the Sea, is like um, it's basically saying, you know, when you – when you chase these these vices these addictions then you are inevitably going to end up how the characters in this these stories have have become right it's yeah. it's inseparable yeah and some of the lines from this one and they wrote all, and they wrote all these prescriptions they wrote me off like a heel yeah the doctors with their medicine left me to rock in my filth which is powerful yeah um and then a three track bonus bit um, I didn't know how this fit into the storyline at all. Some of these tracks, you know, the first track, Democracy, I didn't like at all. No, that was trash. That was trash. That might be my least favorite of their. Yeah, that might be the worst track. Um, Old Lady and Soundtrack Song. I don't know. Soundtrack Song, I wasn't a huge fan of either. Old Lady was kind of nice. I don't know. Yeah. I. You know, it's funny with all their bonus tracks. I'm just like, eh. Do like, we need these? Like, clearly they weren't good enough. To, usually, sometimes with bonus tracks, you can get some really good songs. But I don't, I think with the Lumineers, like, I wasn't impressed by a single bonus track. Yeah, me neither. So their most recent album comes out and or came out in 2022 titled Bright Side. And I just want to start this off by saying real quick, all of their album covers kind of suck. I don't know if you picked up on that. I disagree. I don't like this one and I don't like the previous one necessarily. Although the previous one is interesting. Like which ones do you like? I like the first one kind of. The Lumineers. It's just that negative photo of uh, a woman and her child. Okay. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. It's it's definitely subtle. Um, oh, maybe I'm being a hater then. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> they're nothing crazy necessarily. Yeah, like even Cleopatra is just a black and white 
rendering of Cleopatra. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't a big fan, but I'm, I'm I mean you're right. You're right. I just I like that first one a little bit. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, this one it feels like they've changed their sound a little bit in this one. Yes. Um, slightly happier, slightly fuller, um, but it's still the Lumineers. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the album opens with Bright Side, so the title track. The Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I think their storytelling props or chops kind of come through here again. Um, you know, telling the, t- telling the story of this person, um, or this couple maybe, but really this person that's struggling with drugs and struggling with, you know, degenerate behaviors, let's, get, let's say. And the other person in this relationship just saying, I'll, I'll just be there for you. Like, you got all this stuff, you know, you're doing this to yourself, but I'll still help you get through this. Yeah, you know what's weird about this one is I listened to the song quite a bit before diving into the lyrics, and I always thought some of the lines were depicting someone about to jump off a bridge, like and commit suicide. Mm. But once you listen, or once I looked up the lyrics, I realized that isn't really the case. Where the car heater actually breaks down in the song, and then he's singing, "You're stranded on the bridge. You're crying for your kids. I'll be your bright side, baby, tonight." Which I think, after r- looking into it, the genesis of the song is just saying like. Things aren't going well, but I'll be here for you. Right. Yeah. It was the very or the second to last, let's call it stanza. Uh, you're stranded on the bridge. The cops are closing in. Right. Gives that w- me a little bit more of that. Yeah. So that's that's the second reason I was thinking that. But I don't know. That actually got me thinking that, like, this person was on the run. Oh, OK. You know, uh, it talks about moving to Tacoma and being in hotel rooms. Um, yeah, it's it's weird too. And then the, he mentions that they're she's on psychedelics too. So it's right, right. I don't know. It's this is another one where I it's the lyrics are compelling, but I'm still not sure what the overarching theme is. Yeah, aside from you know what we've already talked about. Yeah, yeah. Aside from that, the second track here is AM Radio, which actually I want to point this out too. All the songs on this album are in all caps, which I don't think this album justified in all caps for each song title, but you know, it's whatever. I always, that always strikes me when artists do that and I never really get it. Yeah. There's another one that I, I just don't get, but it's yeah, all right. this is definitely artsy. Um, you know, I didn't really pick up on the lyrics here at all, but, um, certainly an interesting listen. Yeah. And yeah, AM radio is a, a decent, solid track. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. I think it's just all right. The third track is Where We Are, which is one of my favorites off of the album. Yeah, a little bit more upbeat. Um, you know, just telling, they're not really telling the story too crazy, but um, another kind of weird relationship song. Um, well, so this song details uh, Wes got in a car accident with his girlfriend, uh, now wife, but girlfriend at the time. They were going on like a little vacation and they ended up getting a car accident and uh, one of them had a concussion and the other one had some cuts or whatever. And they ended up, he, he said, cause at the time they were really poor, they didn't have health insurance. They ended up just not going to the hospital despite everyone telling them to go to the hospital. Yeah, naturally. And then they, you know, went to the hotel or whatever. And then the next day they went to the grand Canyon and continued on with their vacation. <laughs> but that the, the car was like a, a really, really bad wreck. And yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's keep going. Yeah. 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 But no, I, I do really like this song. Um, the next track birthday, it's kind of this like bittersweet, sweet bit, um, 
about somebody who's struggling, um, you know, and like just reminding them like, hey, it's your birthday. You know, things aren't as bad as they, they look. That's at least what I got here. But well, it's also it's kind of like along the lines of like the bittersweetness of birthday sometimes. Yeah, that too. Where it's like, yeah, you know, you're expected to be happy and celebrate even though you might really be going through it. Yeah. Yeah. After that is Big Shot. Maybe a r- little bit of a reflection on their fame here. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I kind of like the music here. A little bit more poppy. Um, but, interest again, interesting kind of poetic lyrics. Yeah, I think it's on them just trying to, like, remain humble throughout. Yeah. Yeah, throughout their newfound fame. Right, right. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I do like the line... You want to be the big man. You want to place a big bet. You better have a big hand. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool little line. I get the feeling these guys have played a few games of poker. Oh, I could see that for yeah, sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they're the Lumineers, but they also know how to fucking throw down a little fucking hole of them. You yeah, know? they can run a little blackjack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next song is Never Really Mind, which is kind of reflecting on a failed relationship, a failed failed love and it's got a cool rock sound yeah picks up a little again a little fuller um you know the drums are a little bit more popping here um the band's coming together like the vocals are a little bit fuller um i like this one uh, for the album i like this one a lot i do too after that is roller coaster which is a metaphor for relationship it's one of the more forgettable ones off the album yeah kind of just listen to this one and then like didn't I wasn't really paying attention as I listened to it. Like, it never really struck me. Yeah. After that is Remington, which my note on this one was, I'm not smart enough to know what this song is about. Yeah. Again, Mr. Remington is, like, listed throughout. Uh, You know, they talk about the smell of the smoke. Uh, I'm I'm reading through this right now, and I can't really pick it up either. I, I tried looking up. I did a search for, you know, Mr. Remington to try and find if maybe that was a reference to somebody, but I couldn't, there's like one dude from like the early 1900s or maybe it was 1800s. It just didn't sound like a good fit. So I'm, I'm not sure what this song's about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do like the last song reprise. It's happier, feel good. Um, just nice, easy way to close this album out. Yeah. And Remington kind of flows into this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it flows together kind of. Um, and did you pick up on this one lyrically? They have they pull some of the lyrics from Brightside and AM Radio in this song. Oh, I didn't catch that. No. Where he he sings, "I'm headed for the lights. I'm headed for the bright side, baby yeah. tonight." Uh, yeah, yeah I'm I that. that's cool. I like that. I like it, it's a good way of like bringing it together, you know. Um, especially on such an artsy album, or at least artsy you know, lyrically, um, it's a good way to at least like t- kind of tie it up a little bit for the listener yeah and i'd be willing to guess if you were like a first day fan of the lumineers this would probably be your least favorite album um yeah yeah i think this is maybe the first one that you're like i don't need all this shit give me the stripped down lumineers you know (laughs) i could see that yeah um but anyways i still think it's a good album it's a short album too it's like a 30 minute listen yeah, ten tracks, thirty some minutes. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fine album. I think from a, a bird's eye view, maybe or a thousand foot perspective, um, it's certainly not Lumineers typical, but it's still really nicely put together. Yeah, 
You want to get into some top 10? Top 10? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you do your top 10 first, and then uh, we'll do album rankings and... Yeah, we're, we're going to have some... I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to have some different lists here. Yeah. So, 10 to 1 for me, Where We Are, Angela, Dead Sea, Flowers in Your Hair, Sleep on the Floor, Ophelia, Life in the City, Slow It Down, Hohei, and then Bright Side. Okay. That's not too different from what I'm going to do, I think. Okay. I'm actually going to go 1 to 10 just to help myself mm. a little bit here. Um, number 1, Jimmy Sparks. 2, Ophelia. 3, Hohei. Uh, 4, Gloria. 5, Stubborn Love. Um, 6, Flowers in Your Hair. 7, uh, My Eyes. 8, Dead Sea. 9, Donna. And 10, Charlie Boy. Okay. So I guess there's a couple that were different on, but we still yeah. had, I think, five or six of the same. Yeah, together for a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I left out Cleopatra on mine. That, there's a that few, yeah, I left it out on mine, too. You could probably dock us for that. I don't know what else people would be hating on, though. I feel like that was pretty decent overall. Yeah. 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 Oh, like, of the quieter artists that we've looked into so far, I think this is my favorite. Mm, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, I'm glad I uh, was able yeah, to introduce no, this something. Yeah, this was a hit because I, there was an expectation from you at least that I wasn't going to love these guys, but yeah, uh, I did kind of, I did kind of think that. Yeah. No, these are. It's definitely a different vibe for sure, um, but a good change of pace for me. Let's say that. Cool. Because I got some more that are similar to this that we'll we'll have to get into at some point. Yeah. Um, albums quickly. I. Hmm. I'll just rip off my four, and maybe we'll have some discussion about the top. Uh, four to one, four bright side, three the Lumineers, two Cleopatra, one, three. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go. F- no, uh, I'm going I'm to switch that really quick. Okay. Four, four bright side, three Cleopatra, two Lumineers, one, three. Okay. I'm going to go. And this is different from what I wrote down, but I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to go four bright side, three, three, and then two Lumineers, one Cleopatra. Actually, yeah. no, 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 no. I take that back. Two Cleopatra, one Lumineers. I know, right? That, yeah. you, and me, you and me just did the same thing where it's like, I guess, like, I'd really have to sit. I guess, I mean, that's the whole point of this pod, right? <laughs> but no, I, you'd have to go down and. Yeah, just one, one for one examine each song you know next to each other yeah um because i would say both cleopatra and lumineers have two songs that i love two or three and then a lot of good songs and then a couple misses right so yeah i guess i'd have to put them next to each other and really flush it out a little bit more but i think i'm on the right side with lumineers ahead of cleopatra same and i have more songs in my top 10 from lumineers and cleopatra so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with that and then real quick concert set lists uh, again, it's kind of hard to do this for this type of genre of music, mm-hmm. but I'm going to open with Ophelia, even though it's one of their biggest songs. So I think it's a good song to open with. And then for the encore, I'm going to do Life in the City, Stubborn Love, and then close it out with Brightside. Yeah, I like where your head's at here. I think Ophelia is just a good way to get the crowd into it. We talked about the sing-along vibe. It gets the people going a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, In an act that's going to be quieter, going to be slightly less energetic it's a good way to get the people going a little bit so i'm gonna open with ophelia as well um going into the the encore i'm gonna open with cleopatra um 
then at two, I'm probably going to do, <sighs> I'm going to do, mm, I'm going to do Stubborn Love at two, and then Hohei to close it out. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Hohei. Yep. Alrighty, guys. Uh, next week, Glorious Sons. Yes. And then we haven't really talked about it after that, so. Probably do something different. Yeah. I think we're going to be dropping a Christmas episode at some point in December. Um We've got an idea to kind of do a year recap on all the artists we've covered. Um, and I'm actually really excited for that one because I think that's yeah. a good way of, like, rounding everything out and, you know, just revisiting some of the stuff that maybe we've changed our minds on even since we did the episodes, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're going to do that at some point here at the end of the year, too. And obviously we'll probably – I think that puts maybe one more episode in before the close of the year. Um, so maybe an album recap or something like that. Um, and then we're on to the new year, which will be same old stuff. And I've got my next one already picked out. Oh, hell yeah. All righty, guys. Uh, follow us on socials, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Flip the Record, and YouTube at Flip the Record. Like, review, and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one.